When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Unsportsmanlike Podcast on ESPN Radio. Well, the Eagles showed us who they were last night, that's for sure. The Eagles, what did I just say? <laughs> Smalls is dying right now. The Eagles, the, the Eagles. Eagles, yeah, all of that. You know what? They should have an ego. They played the great. Eagles, yeah. <laughs> the Eagles showed us who they were last night. It is Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio, brought to you by Beacon. The Beacon Pro Plus app helps roofers get things done from anywhere. Beacon always building. So the Eagles last night, dominant performance late, right? What they did late was so impressive over the Miami Dolphins. 31-17, they win. The game is close late. It's 24-17. The Eagles go on this drive. It's funny because we all watch this game. We have different takeaways from it, different moments. CC, I know, is another drive that impressed him. I was just blown away by this drive late, this 13 play. 83 yards, 6-minute and 35-second drive that closed out the game at 24-17 to put it up 31-17. And beating a team like Miami, obviously a good team, a team that only, though, has wins against somewhat bad teams. But on that drive, they go for it 4th and 1 from the 26th, 4th and 1 from the 37-yard line, and their head coach, Nick Sirianni, has now referred to their offense as basically they start drives at 1st and 9 because the tush-push, brotherly shove, whatever you want to call it, is so unbelievably effective that they get first downs every single time. Ridiculous question. I know they'll never do it, CeCe. But if they just decided, hey, we got it. we're going to start off this drive and we're going to run four straight plays no matter what with a tush push, is there a chance they get a first down? Yeah, there's probably a chance they get a first down. I don't know if that drive is going to result in points because you'd have to have, what, 20-something plays? You'd have to have 20 brotherly shoves in order to get to where you could score the football. Wow. And I just think the the odds of something bad happening to the offense, a negative play, a fumbled snap, something like that, would, would derail any scoring opportunity for that drive. But nobody does the QB sneak better than the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, you're talking about having 55 of 61 attempts convert for first downs since the start of 2022. That's amazing. To be able to convert that many brotherly shoves uh, for first downs is is unbelievable. It's a tremendous weapon for the Eagles, and this is something that's not going away. And this factors into the math when it comes to play calling and sequencing of plays for their offensive coordinator, Brian Johnson. If you look at the first drive in the second quarter, they had a fourth and one and the Miami 37-yard line. It ends up getting overturned because of uh, – uh, offsetting offsides penalty. They line up, they do it again, and they convert, and that ends up leading to a touchdown for the Eagles. They have the ability to be able to do that and to call certain plays on third down in short, knowing that the fourth down play is in their back pocket, the brotherly shove, if they need to convert for one or two yards. And so I think that's what makes them one of the more dangerous teams because it typically is four-down territory. Once they get the ball in plus territory, that makes it hard for opposing defenses. And over the past two seasons, they've had 41 successful tush-push conversions. The two teams behind them, the Bills and the Bears, 
11. That just shows you the disparity. And I think it's interesting that Nick Sirianni is publicly saying, don't take this away from us just because we're the best at it. You can see that other teams don't have the same amount of effectiveness when they have the tush push play. But I wonder, you say it's not going anywhere this season, definitely not. But I wonder if there's going to be a groundswell within the NFL to do something about this next season. But it is only one team, though. It really is, right? It really is. Yeah, but it's a player safety issue, though. Right, I I know, but one team is successful. No, exactly right. I mean, there are a lot of teams that try to run it. Even Pittsburgh at the end of the game against the Rams, they tried to run it, and they really didn't get as much movement as we see with the Eagles. But it takes a really good offensive line, a really good center quarterback exchange to be able to execute the way the Eagles do. And you got to have a quarterback that's capable of squatting 600 pounds like Jalen Hurts is. (laughs) Not a lot of teams can check all of those boxes. But on the whole, this is the kind of performance that I expected from the Eagles after a disappointing loss in MetLife Stadium to the New York Jets the Sunday before. This is a team that responded in the way that they needed to respond. They sent a message to the NFL world that our best – is better than everybody's best except for maybe the Kansas City Chiefs. That's where the Philadelphia Eagles are. They're one of the teams that's the most trustworthy in the NFL, and this offense is starting to take shape now under Brian Johnson and Jalen Hurts, the synergy between the coordinator, play caller, and the quarterback. You said something that I think is so interesting that I wanted to follow up on here. The idea that it's changing other play calls, like it's changing the third down play call. Because you think about in all of sports historically, you think about different teams that can do things because of a weapon or a play or a system that they have that other teams can't. What do I mean? Yankees played an eight-inning game for most of the time when Mariano Rivera was their closer. He was he, Outside of one moment, Diamondbacks, maybe uh, against Cleveland in 97, he doesn't give up tons. He doesn't give up runs. They play an eight-inning game. The Ravens know, hey, we probably have a 70-yard field where everyone else has an 80- or 90-yard field because Justin Tucker is basically automatic. The Golden State Warriors can start their offense closer to half court because of where Steph Curry can shoot, and most other teams ever cannot. We are now seeing this with the Philadelphia Eagles. They can call plays on third down regardless of where they are in the the territory that they're in, even their own side of the field, because they know that they have a guaranteed fourth down conversion if it's two yards or less that we have – Brady was unbelievable at the QB sneak. Not like this. This is is changing, dare I say, the sport – for this specific season. Well, yeah, short yardage is one of the critical phases of the game, right? When coaches preach about situational football, it's red zone, goal line, short yardage in two minutes. Those are the critical critical situations. Red zone, goal line, short yardage, two minutes. They yeah. can do all those. Yeah, red zone, goal line, short yardage, two minutes, and excuse me, third down. I forgot about that. So those are the five critical situations in a football game that a really good team on offense needs to be good at. And the Philadelphia Eagles – can check a couple of those boxes because of the brotherly shove. They're good in the red zone because of it. They're good in short yardage because of it. They're good on goal line because of it. And And it changes third down. And now it changes third down and the flexibility that they have. If you have a third and short, a third and two or less, all of a sudden you can take a shot at the end zone now because you know that we've got the brotherly shove in our back pocket that can get us a yard or two. So, uh, again, it does change the math. It makes it harder for defenses once the offense gets in plus territory because it's truly four-down four territory. Uh, and so I think it does it does add a different dimension to this Eagles team that most other teams aren't bringing to the party. And you could already envision a moment. I could see it now. Sorry, Pat Costello, our producer, is a big Eagles fan, where they say, you know what, let's try to switch everybody up. They think we're going to go tush-push. We'll go line-up-wise like that, and we'll try to do something else, and then it doesn't work. 
You could already envision that. Like, there will be a Monday will come in where there's some variation of the tush push that will either be brilliant or backfire. Like, it's so easy to predict that that is going to happen. Now, the flip side of this game is Miami. And the storyline around Miami is not that they're not good or anything like that or they're not going to make the playoffs or they don't have a great chance to win the division or Mike McDaniel's not brilliant and Tariq Hill is not dominant as the best non-quarterback per CC in the league. None of that is out the window. What is in the the line of conversation right now is the fair conversation about whether or not the strength of schedule or lack thereof, CC, has helped them become a five and two football team. Yes, I, I mean I don't think there's any denying that we saw them against two good teams this season, and they 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 lost by double digits to both of them. Now, and one of them may not even be good. I was just to say you have to even wonder about the Buffalo Bills. Well, yeah, but I think this is a different Bills team than the one the Dolphins face because no Daquan Jones, no Matt Milano, no Trey White. So I mean this is a different fair. Bills fair. team. Different Bills defense than what the Dolphins lined up against in week four. But, again, they lost by double digits. You, you typically don't see that happen to good teams. And even going back to last season, the Buffalo, I mean, the Miami Dolphins had three primetime games against teams that were in the postseason, and they lost all three of them. And two was started in all of those games. So you have to wonder whether or not this team should be taken seriously. I, I'm of the opinion, I'm of the mind, I'm not going to take the Dolphins seriously until they show me they deserve to be taken seriously, and that's beating a quality opponent. Now, they won't have that on deck going into week eight, but <coughs> week nine, they do have a game the against best. the Kansas City Chiefs yeah. in Frankfurt, Germany, and I think that's another opportunity for a litmus test for this team. If, if they can be more competitive against the Chiefs, then maybe it's a conversation. It's something that's left up to debate. But right now, I don't view the Miami Dolphins as contenders, even though I think they're a virtual lock to make it to the playoffs. All of a sudden, that Patriots game looks a little bit more interesting, too, after the win that they yeah, had over the Buffalo point. Bills. And I know that they beat the Patriots earlier this season, but with with familiarity, Bill Belichick having seen them once, they're coming off a big win, some positive momentum. It's While I think the Dolphins are certainly the better team, it's not a slam dunk. Well, and, and I'll go back to the health point, right? Like, CeCe's bringing up that the Dolphins, Dolphins played the Bills when the Bills were healthy versus now when the Patriots played them yesterday. The Patriots in some areas are starting to get healthy. They had some of their members of their offensive line back, former first-round pick Cole Strange. They had a defensive back in Jack Jones come back who's very good. Now had some off-the-field stuff this offseason, but he's been cleared of that. But if we go back to that Dolphins schedule and we showed it on ESPNU, let's not make the leap and say that they beat Kansas City, right? I'm not going to insult the Dolphins by saying, oh, Kansas City's going to win. Like, not a bold statement. When's the next chance they have to have the win you're talking about, CeCe? Because you're not that high on the Cowboys the in weeks. So the Ravens, New Year's Eve, week 17. Let's let's say, just for argument's sake, we'll go based on favorites. Let's say they win next week. That puts them at 6-2. and two. Yeah. Then let's say they lose the Chiefs. That puts them at 6-3. and three. They have a bye, the Raiders, at the Jets, at the Commanders, home against the Titans, home against the Jets, home against the Cowboys, at the Ravens, home against the Bills. That's the remaining schedule for the Dolphins. So for you, Chris Canty, 11-year NFL vet, Super Bowl champ, needing to see that statement regular season win, is that even on their schedule if they don't beat Kansas City? I mean, yeah, if they can beat the Baltimore Ravens and the Dallas Cowboys, then maybe I'll consider it. Now, here's what I will say. They still got two dates with the New York Jets. That ain't going to be layup games with how them Jets play defense. They're just not. The Jets are physical. They punch you in the mouth. And Philadelphia experienced that firsthand a couple of weeks ago. So I'm not counting those wins for the Miami Dolphins just yet. Mm -hmm. The Jets are a team that I think will be in the mix for a wild card spot come December. So I do think that there are some opportunities for them to have statement wins. But it's got to start with performances where they're actually competitive in those games. And to be losing by double digits against teams that have winning records, 
That, that's not what you want for a team that you think is capable of going on a deep playoff run. Again, the conversation around the Dolphins is not whether or not they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, we're not saying they, they are a virtual lock to make the playoffs. It's what are they going to do once they get into the playoffs? Do I view them as a team that can go on the road and beat the Kansas City Chiefs or the Baltimore Ravens or any of the teams that we're going to say are upper echelon in the conference? Probably not. I, I don't see that right now, and that's – the problem that I have with this Miami team because this is the window for them to be competing for championships. You still got two on that controllable contract. You got all the weapons around them on the offensive side of the ball. You got some playmakers coming back healthy on the defense. Jalen Ramsey will be back. He practiced this past week. Didn't play in the game on Sunday, but he'll be back sooner rather than later. There are no excuses for this Miami Dolphins team. They have all the elements. They just got to get it done. And if they don't get it done – then yeah, we're going to be critical of all of the key actors, quarterback included. I think if we were going to boil it down last night, my takeaway, the Eagles are a Super Bowl contender, the Dolphins are a playoff team. And there's a big disparity between the two. I I agree. One final thing on this. Both of you, one word answer on this. More faith right now in the Jaguars or the Dolphins? Smalls? The Dolphins. Jags. I would say the Jags as well. They have the better quarterback, and um, yeah, and, and a championship head coach. That's not yeah, that matters. Yeah, that and, matters. And that does matter. If Mike McDaniel wins a championship next, one year, that's not hey, going to surprise me. How about either. this? We've already seen the Jags win a playoff game. Yeah. It happened from a big comeback, what, 27 too. 3 down or 27 3 down. Yeah. And it was a three point game in Arrowhead the following week That's against right. the Chiefs. That's right. Just putting it out there in the fourth quarter, three point game in Arrowhead. Not easy to do. Coming up, is Lamar back in the MVP conversation? We'll get to that next on Sportsmanlike ESPN Radio. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit... Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Ravens Radio Network. It is Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio, ESPNU, ESPN app, all of our great ESPN stations across the country, including ESPN 1000 in Chicago. Shout out to the entire team there sending us the ice shakers today. 25 years of ESPN 1000. We have it displayed 
On our set here, ESPNU and you out there listening to us, we appreciate you, first of all. Second of all, if you are on one of the great ESPN stations or part of one of the great ESPN stations that we are a part of, feel free. Send us the gear. We want to display it. We want to pump you up, and we put it right there front and center like we did for ESPN Beaver Dam, ESPN Chicago. You out there could be next, and if you're listening, call into your local ESPN station and get them to send us stuff so we can hype you up. All right, MVP conversation. We have it each and every week. It's the, it's the best way of just highlighting who's really good and who has the best chance <laughs> at the end of the season to be awarded. Well, um, Lamar Jackson certainly made a case this week to get another one because we hyped up this Detroit and Baltimore game, and I'll take the hit on this. I kept saying Jared Goff is not the front runner, but it's his MVP to lose because of the schedule that they had the rest of the way. Well, yeah, they got destroyed. 38-6. 38-6. And some of the throws, you'll see them on ESPNU, are really bad. I don't want to say it too loud, but they're really bad, some of the throws he had. And Baltimore's just really good, and their defense is solid. Lamar, obviously... Had a great passing game yesterday and tremendous win by Baltimore. Yeah, I mean, and according to Next Gen Stats, Jared Goff had the most off-target throws that he's had in any game this season. He had eight off-target throws. 16% of his passes were off-target yesterday. And I don't want to disparage Jared Goff. I think it has much more to do with the Baltimore Ravens defense. And that's why the headline will be Lamar Jackson, 393 total yards and four touchdowns to only one turnover. Everybody will focus on him being the MVP. With the real MVP of that Ravens defense, Ravens team is that defense. And just their ability to be able to shut people down. Understand how good the Detroit Lions offense was coming into this game in week seven. Through the first six games of the season, the Detroit Lions had a top 10 offense, and they were one of only three offenses in the NFL that were both in top 10 in passing yards and top 10 in rushing yards. The other two offenses, the Miami Dolphins and the Philadelphia Eagles. So the Detroit Lions, good on offense, box checked. They ran into a buzzsaw that was the Baltimore Ravens defense, and this has been a top-five defense for not only all the games this year, but a top-five defense going back to Week 9 of last year when they traded for Roquan Smith. This defense is absolutely legit. This defense gives them an opportunity in every single game, and as long as the Ravens' offense doesn't give games away via turnovers, then the Ravens are going to be a really, really tough out for anybody in football. Yeah, that defense holding the line scoreless for the first three quarters. They were outstanding yesterday. But, you know, it just kind of Yeah, felt- they only gave up a touchdown when they were up by 35 points. Exactly. <laughs> it was like, it was like, know, right. Terrible job. Yeah, they were amazing. <laughs> but, but in watching that game yesterday, it just kind of felt like it was going to be a Lamar Jackson special. You know, he does the sit down with Tom Rinaldi before the game. They're they're reminding everyone of his greatness, talking about the Heisman, talking about the MVP. He's saying, I'm going to win a Super Bowl. He's going up against a team in the Lions that we're talking about maybe being Super Bowl contenders. And a guy in Jared Goff who were saying maybe he should be considered the MVP. And Lamar Jackson said, hey, he grabbed the microphone and said, don't forget about me. When Lamar Jackson is healthy, this Ravens team is winning. He's Baltimore, 50-18 and 18 in the regular season when mm. Lamar Jackson is healthy. 50-18. and 18. He is such an X factor. Are we overthinking this all, though? What do you like, mean? Okay, so I had this moment where I'm just like, all right, we're talking about Lamar Jackson, rightfully so, and I think Lamar Jackson is a way better passer than people give him credit for. And I got personal egg on my face, no question, with, with Jared Goff. I'll take the hit, no no doubt about it. Okay. 
But is this just going to be Mahomes when it's all over and we're just going to update this every single week because we're riding the roller coaster of NFL fandom and NFL media, right? Yeah. We have a show. We love talking about football. The MVP odds we have up on ESPNU, it gives us a way of talking about, oh, well, Tua took a hit. Maybe Jalen Hurts went up. Our boy Brock Purdy plays him tonight. Lamar's right back in there. Josh Allen, I don't think so. Goff may be dropping out. Trevor Lawrence coming back up. Are we just all going to get to Mahomes at the end of the year anyway? Is that what's – is this like – well, he's, we can talk so about good. Berkeley winning the MVP, yeah. but it's really going to be MJ at the end. Is that what's yeah, happening Yeah, that's, pro- that's probably what's going to happen. It's going to take somebody putting out some eye-popping numbers in order to best Mahomes. And we when saw it comes that yesterday MVP. with Lamar. So we and, excited, we saw, right? and we saw that. So I guess Lamar would be on the short list of quarterbacks that's capable of putting that together. Like, what kind of quarterback can have a season where they can not only do it with their arm, but they can do it with their legs, and their team is going to have the overall success you're looking at. The only reason that I would shy away from Lamar winning it is because the division that he plays in is so tough. Yeah. There's, there's no way that the Baltimore Ravens are going to finish with the best record in football, even though I think they're a really, really, really good football team. Like I think the Ravens can win a championship mm-hmm. if, if everything breaks right for them. That's how good they are. But I just also think those other teams in that division are really good. When I look at the Kansas City Chiefs or look at some other teams around football, I think they have an easier time stacking regular season wings that can bolster their quarterback's case for winning an MVP. So, yeah, I think it's Pat Mahomes' MVP to lose. And if we're trying to pick other guys that can come close to to, to dethroning Pat Mahomes for the MVP this year, Lamar Jackson would be on the short list of candidates to do so. All right, I need you to go further on something here. You don't have to have the best record in the NFL to win a Super Bowl. You don't have to have the MVP to win a Super Bowl. You just said, I think the Ravens can win a Super Bowl. Explain. Well, I think their defense is what's going to give them a chance. And and the thing that the Ravens – have done through the first seven games is they've beaten themselves the two loss, the two black marks they have on the ledger. You look at the loss against the Colts, it was turnovers that did them in. The fumbles by Lamar Jackson. You look at the loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers on the road, what was it? The drop passes mm-hmm. and the turnovers late by Lamar. That's what did them in. It's the self-inflicting wounds for the Baltimore Ravens. The opponents aren't beating the Ravens. It's the Ravens beating the Ravens. And yesterday you saw when they don't get in their own way, how much of a a problem they can be for opponents, even quality opponents like the Detroit Lions, that have essentially already punched their ticket to the postseason. Are we now on the opposite side with the Lions? Are we going to acknowledge the separation now? Smalls, you've been saying it all show. Eagles and Niners and everyone else, right? We've been talking about are the Lions three, are the Cowboys three, Seahawks fans will sit there in Seattle today at four and two with the way that that defense and, and your guy Weatherspoon, the uh, the Illinois the guy, yeah. um, the way he's been playing, Devin. they may Devin, sorry, they they may put themselves at number three. Does three matter in the NFC? Like one and two are so far ahead of everyone else. Does three matter? But look at. The Lions' schedule. They have the Raiders next, the Chargers, the Bears, the Packers, the Saints, the Bears again, and the Broncos. They could rip off a really nice string of wins there, and we're having a totally different conversation. I'm not going to let one performance by a Super Bowl contender, or against a Super Bowl contender, excuse me, change the way I view the Lions. Yeah, I'm with you on that one, Spalls, especially when you look at the last month of football for the Lions. Three of their last four games have been on the road, and you've got back-to-back games against division leaders. Not easy for the Lions, right? So, we knew that they were due for a spot where they didn't play their best football. But, I mean, outside of that, I mean, that that, that was really their, their only bad game of the season. Even in the loss to the Seattle Seahawks, that was an overtime game and an offensive shootout. 
I'm not going to hold that against them. They they had a chance to win in that game too. So this is the only game where I would say that the Lions haven't been competitive. No team can have it dialed up for every single game. But I will say this. I still trust what we've seen from the Detroit Lions. Now, David Montgomery being out of the lineup, he's their hammer. He's their physical presence on the offensive side of the ball. I thought they really missed him going up against a really physical Ravens defense. So, But when they get David Montgomery back, when Jared Goff has his full complement of weapons, then I think that takes a lot of pressure off of the quarterback and you get a different version of this Lions team altogether. Before we wrap it up, are you saying that you're taking them out of that conversation? No, I'm – well, okay, the way I'm looking at it is like the opposite of the Ravens where CeCe says they may not have the one seed but they could go to the Super Bowl. I'm saying the Lions may actually have the one seed – and no chance to go to the Super Bowl if the, as long as oh, the yeah, I agree with Eagles. I agree oh, with you okay. on that. That's I agree, what I'm saying. I agree with you on that. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you because on that. Because they may be – and by the way, kudos to them. If you somehow come close to the one seed and Goff is in the MVP conversation, which I still think he's going to be, you should be celebrating from now until eternity with how great this season would be. You have, a, you have something to build on you have not had in – yeah, the, the, the Lions are a top three team in the NFC right now. Okay, so that's what I'm saying. But I still the, the think they're a top three. Th- I still think they're a top three team. But it's San Francisco, Philadelphia, draw a line, and then Detroit. That's the point. Yeah. That's what. I'm, which also still means Detroit may finish with the best record. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which, exactly. That's a scheduling right. thing coming up. All the small things next on Sportsmanlike ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Yes, it is time for all the small things here on Unsportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, bundle motorcycle <laughs> RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. You were, make, you were making the motorcycle noise. What motorcycle. is happening Listen, Monday has been Monday today. I butchered the sports center. We've got some words we can't really pronounce correctly. It's Monday, guys. It's Monday. It happens. What do you got, Smalls? All right, well, let's start with a little baseball. And since I butchered the read on the Sports Center earlier, you should know that the MLB playoffs continue today on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. The Phillies looking to finish off the Diamondbacks. Pat Costello obviously going to be locked into that one, followed by Game 7 of the ALCS coverage beginning at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time. But that's where I want to start, guys. Game 7, the two sweetest words in all of sports. And the Houston Astros have been here before. We know that this is their seventh streak of NL, or excuse me, ALCS appearances. And there are certain guys in sports that you want to hate. I want to hate Jose Altuve so badly, but I can't help but respect his dominance in the postseason, you guys. The Astros are 19 and 5 when Jose Altuve goes deep in a playoff game. 19 and 5. He is so much of the catalyst of their success. He is leading his peers in almost every postseason 
statistic that you can find, whether it's game played at 101, played appearances, total bases, hits, runs, singles, doubles, home runs. He's only three shy of Manny Ramirez's all-time mark in postseason home runs. He's so dominant in the postseason. And, Cece, I know you want to hate him too, but you can't deny how good he is. So, real question. More responsible for the Astros' faux dynasty. (laughs) Faux dynasty. Jose Altuve or the replay cameras in the trash cans? Real question. Altuve. I think Altuve. Altuve. Ah, well, you know why? That might have been both. Beats <laughs> <laughs> him figuratively and literally. Is he him without the replay cameras and the trash cans? Yeah, I don't know. If you saying, believe they're know. doing it up in the I believe now. they're doing. I believe they're doing it again. I don't oh. know how they're doing it. Oh, we haven't figured wait, it out. I asked a different question than you yeah. just answered. I said if you believe they're doing it on the up and up. No, they're not doing it up. On, why should I give the Astros the benefit of the doubt? Even when the Patriots got caught with Spygate, were they on the up and up? No. That's how we got <laughs> Deflategate. Correct. So why would I not think that habitual line steppers like the Houston Astros wouldn't find another way to cheat that's different than the way they already got caught? I'm you sorry. Guys, you guys always bringing things back to the Patriots. I mean, my God. What? Hey, if we're going to bring it back to the Patriots the Astro, po- positively, the are, we're going to do it The negatively. Astros are the Patriots of the Major League Baseball world. So, you, so therefore, you cannot look at Jose Altuve's postseason greatness and give him any sort of Hell credit. Hell no. <laughs> so small. When, listen, when he took Araldis Chapman Yard in Game 6 of the 2019 CS... We all knew what time it was when he got the home plate. He got the home plate. His teammates wanted to rip his jersey off because that's what they were doing all the time when they had walk-offs. And he's like, no, don't rip my jersey off. And then the explanation was, oh, yeah, I got a tattoo. I don't don't want anybody to see my tattoo. Bro, really? Really? I'm supposed to believe that? I'm supposed to believe that? No, I'm not believing it. So Smalls, I'm not going to give the Astros no credit. Imagine in that moment such a uh, an amazing moment. You're so excited, and that's what you're thinking about is a bad tattoo. No, you're no, I'm thinking, thinking I'm thinking about, about that buzzer. I'm thinking about yeah, that buzzer that I had underneath that told Fair. me there was a fastball coming. Smalls, I need your take on this. Okay, tonight, ESPN Radio, 8:03 p.m. Eastern Time. The Texas Rangers will put out there. A first ballot Hall of Famer, a man who's won a Cy, multiple Cy Youngs. Don't do this. A to me, man Adam. who don't do it to me. He's a St. Louis guy. Don't any, do it. If anyone doesn't vote for him for the Hall of Fame, something's wrong with them. Are you confident in Max Scherzer pitching tonight for the Texas Rangers? Evan, he's a St. Louis guy. How are you going to do this to me? You haven't answered the question. You can't just say he's a St. Louis guy and not answer. I'm not going to get distracted. How about like, this? Oh, she didn't answer the How question. How about yet. this? Based on his last outing this postseason. Right. No, I do not have an exponential amount of confidence in Max Scherzer. <laughs> However, the great ones find a way. And I would not put it past Max Scherzer to be able to summon his greatness and find a way. Yeah, Rangers fans have about as much confidence as Max Scherzer as Pat Costello and Phillies have in Craig Kimball trying to close out a game with the lead. <laughs> Is that about right, Pat? Yeah, no faith at all. <laughs> exactly. So, everybody I mean, he thinks, was he was out for what five weeks with well, the injury, and he was coming back. He did. He wasn't able to go deep in the game. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's, he's it's more over. Of a no, no, guys. it's over Come for on. Scherzer. Well, it's I over. Heard, Scherzer. I heard but Tim you don't Kirk want it to be over. The no, I want. I want it to be over because it's bad enough. It's been bad. It was bad in Queens. Change the scenery. No. It was bad with the Rangers. It's not going to be good for Max Scherzer no more. But don't you it's want okay. it to be good for him tonight? You could. I mean, people in hell want ice water. Smalls don't mean they gonna get it it's not gonna happen now keep an eye on this tim kirkshin on the espn radio broadcast did bring up with carl ravich and company 
the idea of Jordan Montgomery being first out of the pen tonight. Starting pitcher, short rest, game seven. So that's something to keep an eye on tonight. Absolutely. And who do you trust more than Monty? He's been nails. Evaldi. Yeah, also great. That's a great point. All right, let's pivot to the NFL. One of the teams that we were interested early on, someone on this set said they would even make the playoffs, CC, is the Washington Commanders. We had high hopes for them at the beginning of the season. We were intrigued by Sam Howell, his partnership with Eric Bieniemy. Now they've lost to the Bears and the Giants in three weeks. What are we making of the Commanders? I'm glad I'm you that I'm making of the up. Commanders that they're going to cost me some money with, with, the, with the bad take job. Let me ask you this, a question. This is, ba- this is getting bad. CC. <laughs> Do you you get a hold of Nuno, our producer, and say, let's just avoid this? Because I didn't see this anywhere in the rundown today after they lost to the Giants in a game that you spent some time at yesterday. Oh, boy. I just wanted to bring it up. Where are we with the commander? (laughs) Where are we with the commander? It's not a good place. They lost four (laughs) of their last five games, and they don't look competent in the least bit on the offensive side of the ball. And, And that's probably the biggest surprise for me. You thought that as the season went on, Sam Howell would get better, and he's regressed. Like it's it's gotten worse, and he continues to take bad sacks, and he continues to make bad plays. I mean, he had the interception that set up a point blank scoring opportunity for the Giants right before halftime. Like there's just no excuse for what we're seeing from them on the offensive side of the ball, and the defense isn't making game changing plays like they're being asked to. Now I get it; the defense only gave up 30 points over the last two games, and the offense has got to do something, but. The defense is supposed to be the catalyst for this team getting going, and yesterday it was the Giants' defense, not the Commanders' defense that stepped up. All right, question for you. Do we now have to add, remember, new ownership in Washington, Josh Harris, he owns also the uh, Philadelphia 76ers and and Jersey Devils in the NHL. Do we have to add Ron Rivera to the in-season coaching hot seat list? I mean, I mean, sure, if you want to get an extended look at what Eric Bieniemy can do as the head coach, that might make some sense. But again, it's been the offense that's letting them down. Magic Johnson had the tweet yesterday, it's hard to win in the NFL when you only score seven points. Walking Wikipedia. Like, like I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm just putting it out there. Like, you know what? I'm just... glad Magic Johnson brought that up because I would never considered that before. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, I mean, but when somebody that's a part of the ownership group is saying that and giving voice to something that we already know yes. is a problem – then they know it's a problem, and I could see them convincing themselves that a change needs to happen. But I don't necessarily know that they believe Eric Bieniemy is the direction it needs to go in. You know who wasn't a problem yesterday? Tyson Bajent, our Bay, as they're saying in Chicago, right? Mm. 30-12 to 12 win over the Las Vegas Raiders. He looked more efficient and poised at certain times in the game than we've seen Justin Fields this season. He was moving the ball around seven different receivers. What if he goes on a bit of a run? What if Tyson Bagent comes in in place of Justin Fields and is giving the Bears more competent play than we saw from Justin Fields? CC, I keep going back to what you said about the Bears should have moved on from Justin Fields when he was on a high note before he got injured. Get something from him. What if Tyson Bagent comes in and does what Justin Fields couldn't? Listen, if Secret Bagent man can find a way to 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 win two of the next three games, then. It's maybe on the board that the Chicago Bears decide to stay with him for the rest of the season. I know Matt Eberflus would love that opportunity because maybe Tyson Bajic could save his damn job. Now, I, I think it's it's highly unlikely that that will be the case, that that's going to actually play itself out that way. But their next three games, they're on the road against the Chargers, they're on the road against the Saints, and then they're home against the Carolina Panthers. I mean, there's three teams with a combined five wins. I, it's not It's not impossible so, I, yeah, could it happen? Sure. Do I think it would happen? Probably not. But at least we got to see 
what that Bears offense looks like and what that team looks like as a whole with competent quarterback play. And for anybody that's out here caping for Justin Fields, it just becomes that much harder after you saw what you saw yesterday with the Bears blowing out the Las Vegas Raiders. What I took out of that is you just really fired Brandon Staley. If they lose at home to the Bears next week, <laughs> looking up, goodbye. Looking up, goodbye. The, ch- the Chargers aren't a good football team. I know, but when, I mean, when we, I mean they're two and f- like they're two and four. They're not a good it. football team. I get Let's it. stop looking at the names and saying they're a good football. They're not a good football team. No, they're not. Yeah, but I would agree. Tyson Bagent, like nice story right now. It seems small sample size. It's the smallest. So hey, I will say this: to, he, he got some. He got some swag. We've been hearing all off season that they love him. I mean, the guy can appreciate the most. Listen, his, dad, not, his dad's I, an arm wrestling champ. I'm, right. I'm not saying Seriously. I'm not saying this is Brock Purdy, but I did see Matt Eberflus's face light up when he gave Tyson Bajan the game ball, and that locker room lit up too. So maybe there's something to it. How they respond to the backup stepping in speaks volumes about how they feel about the starter. He, Just putting that out there. He led the three touchdown drives in his first start. Remember, yeah. remember this. Remember last year, Zach Wilson struggled. They put in Mike White. And they started oh. wearing Mike White T-shirts to the him. road. Yeah, I'm just saying how they respond when the backup is in and has success says something about how those dudes feel about the starter. I totally agree. But what it doesn't mean, and I know you're not saying this, I just want everybody to understand something. It doesn't mean the backup should be the starter long term. Mike White's on the Dolphins, right? So there, that doesn't mean that just that actually speaks volumes about the starting quarterback. That if if right, well, yeah, but that, but that's that's the point. No, I know. I'm yeah, saying that's that, the point. That, yeah. that it doesn't mean like because Bears fans could hear this say, "We got our guy." No, it's more of you don't have your guy yeah. as the starter than right. you do have your guy because you have a flash. I hate to call him a flash in the pan, but well, you know, an if, out of nowhere, you, guy. you know, if you have two top ten picks, Justin Fields is not going to be your correct. Guy. That's correct. what you know today. Yes, correct. Yeah. All right, coming up, we'll tell you why a win could actually be a loss. But first, CC has this from Vivid. Oh uh, yes, haven't you been to an NFL game yet this year? If you haven't, then what are you waiting for? Vivid Seats has your back for all your ticket needs. See every tackle, every touchdown, every play, live and in person with great deals on great seats. Plus, Vivid Seats rewards, you earn rewards with every purchase. They're here for us fans. That's why they offer unbeatable rewards like surprise seat upgrades, free tickets, and more. Just visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. 
Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. This is Unsportsmanlike with Chris Canty, Evan Cohen, and Michelle Smallman. In a game that nobody will care about. The Packers and the Broncos. This ain't the Super Bowl with Elway and Favre, I'll tell you that much. We will see both quarterbacks play well this weekend. Russell Wilson and Jordan Love will both have good games in the same game. We'll be together every little step I take. Notice how they never play anything from my Deshaun Watson take that I said he would not finish a game. I'm just just, throw, I'm just saying. Just Wait, but saying. is that take jar worthy? My Deshaun Watson no, take? No, no, no. About, about No, because uh, Russ played game. well. Russ was, Russ was pretty good yesterday. 20 of 29, 194 and a touchdown, no picks. Did his job. They low, won a football game. Low, that is a low bar to clear, boy. Sure. That, that Russell Wilson bar to clear <laughs> for a good game. Dear you, God, you, don't get, you don't get credit for getting half the take right. Well, it's but he's at like the dive bar now. He's not at like the new trendy like bar downtown in your town. Like Russ is clearing the dive bar, not the smalls type hangout. <laughs> A dive bar. I know, but I'm saying you're like the cool one. <laughs> anyway, so yesterday, uh, one of the themes around the NFL, we had the Giants, Bears, Broncos, and Patriots, four one-win teams win games yesterday. And there is an argument that maybe it's a bad thing winning. Here's the problem with that. Is it really in the moment? Like, it's so hard to take a step back. I'm sure, CC, you and Nuno, two Giants fans, are not mad that they beat Washington yesterday. I was thrilled the way in which the Patriots played yesterday, beating the Buffalo Bills the way in which they did. They looked like the team that you thought they would look like this year. That was the first come-from-behind fourth-quarter win for Mac Jones since his rookie season, okay, that he had. And the Broncos beat a team in Green Bay that, yeah, I guess they were supposed to beat. It's hard in the moment as fans to root against your own team. It just is. So I can't look at any of these as losses. I have to look at all of them as wins. Now, at the end of the season, we may sit here, and one of these teams may have the sixth pick in the draft, and we look back and say, you know, if you didn't win against so-and-so, you could have had Caleb Williams. Instead, you've got Evan Cohen. That's a problem. Yeah, but I think all of the teams that we're talking about are going through multi-year rebuilds. You are more than just one good draft away or one good player away, even if that player just so happens to be the quarterback, which we all know is the most important position in all the team sports. So that's why I think beyond just trying to get the high draft pick, you want to try to have winning to support the program and the culture around the program that is conducive to getting the most out of your people. So when you draft really good, talented players – You get them to realize their full potential. And that becomes a part of the change agent for your franchise to get on solid footing and to have sustained success. So I'll never say put the draft pick above winning football games in real time because I just think culture matters that much in the NFL. Yeah, it's a delicate line that you're trying to walk because you want to lose games to potentially acquire Caleb Williams because we think he's a franchise-altering player at the most important position in sports. So you certainly want to put yourself in the best position to get him. But also, he's one player. And to your point, CeCe, how many of those other guys are going to be back in that locker room next year? And if you somehow devalue that culture or devalue the sense of urgency it takes game to game to win, 
that's something that could permeate next season and beyond. You know, you don't want to set that standard. Yeah, and plus, here's the other thing. Coaches and players don't tank. Organizations tank. Yeah. Right? Because the coaches and players realize if we don't win games, then our job security is going to be affected. I don't know that I'm going to be here. My family has to pick up and move. We already know that players don't like that kind of transition. They don't like to have to be bouncing around the NFL. So if you like the way that things are, are if you like the place that you're at, then it behooves you to try to win as much as you possibly can. And that's why you saw this big smile on Matt Eberblues' face at the end of that game yesterday in the win over the Raiders because he realized, hey, we got to get some wins, something tangible to be able to sell to ownership as to why this coaching staff should stay intact. You know, there's another sneaky storyline out of the one-win teams winning yesterday. It's who lost. So inexplicably, in my mind, Mark Murphy, the president of the Packers before the season, if you remember, said, oh, we'll know about Jordan Love halfway through the season if he's the starter long term which I thought was a ridiculous unfair deadline to put on Jordan Love when the guy had never started a game outside of that one game in that COVID year against Kansas City with his mom that was basically almost out of the stadium they put her so high up there and now they have played what seven weeks six games in Green Bay we're not far that far away from whatever we would deem the halfway point nine weeks through the season they're two and four Jordan Love has 10 touchdowns and seven interceptions. I have no idea if he's the guy long-term, and I also don't feel like it's right that I'm supposed to judge if he's the guy long-term within the next two or three weeks. Yeah, but it shouldn't take this long for a guy that's been in the NFL, what, three full seasons already? Uh, It's not like he's a rookie quarterback. Even though this is his first full year starting, he's had an opportunity to sit and learn and grow as a player. And so him operating the offense shouldn't look as bad as it does right now. And here's the thing. The first half, the offense for the Green Bay Packers was unwatchable. Like, that's how bad it was. And they're going up against one of the worst defenses in all of football in the Denver Broncos. Mm -hmm. So I I don't understand – how we can give Jordan Love a pass with this one. He he should look better. He should look further along than where he is right now. And so I think everything has to be on the board for the Green Bay Packers this offseason, including potentially moving off of Love. Yeah, after that 2-1 and one start, we were high on the Packers. We were high on Jordan Love, and it feels yeah, like— Yeah, because he had six touchdowns and to no turnovers. Yeah. Look at his numbers since then. They're awful. So but if we're talking about his regression, of course we're going to talk about him as a player, but when does the conversation start around Matt LaFleur and what we're seeing from the offense? Yeah, I think that's a great question because he's known as an offensive guy. Everybody said going into this year he's going to now get his stamp on the offense that whatever Rodgers did not want to do within that offense, obviously they weren't going to do. You have a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback, unanimous first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback. He will be at some point, four-time MVP, that if Rodgers says, yeah, I don't love that play, let's do something else, you do something else. Well, now Jordan Love is not at that position to do too many of the I don't love that plays, and Matt LaFleur is fine at best, if even that, as a head coach. And remember, he is kind of under that same umbrella that or the same coaching tree with Kyle Shanahan as Sean McVay looks better than him, obviously. Mike McDaniel looks a lot better than him. LaFleur had an unbelievable start to his career and was great with a great quarterback. Hasn't been great with a non-great quarterback so far. Yeah, but there are only a handful of coaches that can be great with an average to slightly above average quarterback. Most of the coaches that we deem good, really good coaches in the NFL have good to great quarterbacks. So I'm not going to hold this on some kind of indictment on Matt LaFleur. I think this is more about the front office for the Green Bay Packers potentially getting it wrong when it came to how they handled transitioning away from Aaron Rodgers, a legend, and how they you know, drafted Jordan Love, the guy that was supposed to succeed him. This is not on Matt LaFleur, but what I will say is this. 
their offense with Jordan Love as the quarterback has looked bad. The last three games, Jordan Love, three touchdowns to six interceptions, which leads the league during that span, and the second-worst QBR behind Phillip Walker. Coming up, is it time for the Bills to move on from one of their big stars? Next on Sportsmanlike. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.